Hello, Compliance Heroes. This is another episode of my Compliance Hero broadcast. This is Lynn Farrell. I'm a senior advisor for Truliant. And today I have as my guest Sterling Henning. He is a senior compliance officer for Capital One. Sterling has been in the banking industry for many years and been in compliance for a long time. I've served on the advisory board for the ABA's Regulatory Compliance Conference with Sterling, so I know that he has a lot of really good ideas and he's trying to think outside the box all the time and be creative with uh, his compliance thoughts. So welcome, Sterling. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the invite. Great. We're, I'm so happy to have you today. I've asked Sterling to talk to us today about what compliance professionals should be thinking over the next couple of years. We've been at the compliance conference here in Nashville, and we've heard a lot of stuff. Our heads are virtually swimming at this point in time with the things that we've heard that we need to be careful of and watch out for. So I've asked him if he can come up with five things that compliance professionals should be concerned with over the next, say, uh, 18 months to two years time frame. So he's had a lot of experience managing people, managing programs. So I'm going to let Stuart just launch into his list. All right. Well, thank you for again for having me, Lynn. I appreciate it very much. Um, I, one of the th things that I've been thinking a lot about is the talent, uh, both in our team uh, and then what really we as compliance professionals will need to be or have uh, in order to be successful going forward. And while I know that all of us are very highly um, educated on the laws and regs themselves, one of the things that I've really been focusing on is trying to identify what I affectionately call risk management DNA which are some of the more intangible qualities of someone which they will leverage in order to be a great compliance professional. So when I talk about um, intangibles, I'm talking about things like an intellectual curiosity, mm -hmm. uh, the ability to and desire to understand how things work, why they work certain ways, uh, use of the concepts like five whys to get to true root cause, uh, so that we're not just kind of settling for the initial answer. Right. Things like uh, uh, having good influencing skills, the ability to uh, state a case or a rationale for something, and influence in a way that brings the other side of the table to that true understanding of the what and why, and then, of course, willing to take the, the requisite action. Right. Um, judgment, I think, you know, having good judgment when it comes to things like understanding where uh, or within risk appetite a decision may fall and whether or not the judgment either exercised by someone you're working with or you as a compliance officer and what you are actually making a decision on is where it needs to be. Interesting. I did come to a similar conclusion a few years back that in the industry, and I've been in it for over 40 years now, that most of the people move up initially because of their knowledge of the regs and the laws and their ability to parse through complicated paragraphs of <laughs> regulatory matter and apply it to a particular operation. And that person might not be developed inside the organization to have good communication skills, they might not be very self-aware. 
In other words, they may not have any leadership qualities, which is one of the reasons I started the Trulane Institute for Leadership, uh, Compliance Leadership. And I noticed that the compliance people that have come through it so far are very grateful to be given the opportunity to learn that. And I don't think we've really, in most cases, spent our resources helping people develop those. What do you think? I totally agree. It's a fantastic observation. And I would agree that with knowledge and expertise of the core laws and regs, uh, there is a tendency for someone to be able to move up within the organization to a certain extent. However, once you get to a level where, or in a role where you're interacting with more senior folks within the organization, perhaps interacting very regularly with your regulators, you need, I think it's important for someone to have a skill set that allows them to do things like influence, um, problem solve, um, ask the right questions to either understand um, or to seek guidance, uh, as well as, you know, just the, you know, the wrapper being the, the, verbal and, uh, the verbal communication skills that you're talking about to speak with those at those levels. Uh, and without those, um, I dare say you could kind of run into a place where you might bump your head on a bit of a, uh, you know, the uh, proverbial glass ceiling right, right. because, um, you know, that's just what becomes necessary as you move up. Well, I think after the financial crisis, for sure, mm -hmm. institutions found themselves in need of leadership, not just regulatory expertise. So absolutely, that's a great, a great number one. And the other thing I would say there too, Lynn, though, is people want to follow a great leader. Right. And people uh, look for those qualities in their leaders. They may not articulate them in the way that we're talking about them here or using the exact same words, but if you take a step back, I think folks that are looking to follow someone or that will follow someone, they're going to have a good number of those qualities. That's great. So what is our number two top concern? The, the second thing that comes to mind for me is, uh, as compliance professionals, I think we are going to need to really lean into understanding uh, as much as we can about reg tech and being uh, very forward-looking um, and, and proactive in that space versus really kind of waiting for it to happen on its own and then being reactive once it shows up on our doorstep. And, and I know that, you know, the, the term reg tech is uh, loosely defined, or if you were to stand 10 people next to each other and ask them to, to define it, it would, you get 10 different answers. For me, I have kind of um, bucketed into about three or four different spaces. Uh, the first one is around uh, just general process automation, which is more about looking how to take existing processes and automate tasks that can be automated, which will, you know, gain efficiencies for you. And those efficiencies can be realized in either just pure quality of, in, in and of itself or the ability to do things at a, at a larger scale. Right. From process automation, though, think terms like machine learning and data analytics start to come up. And, and those topics or those uh, themes are, are very much different things. And so I think it's important for us as compliance professionals to kind of seek out what these things actually are and really mean and learn enough about them to be able to ask the right questions when those that we work with or third-party vendors that we work with bring these topics up and almost kind of be able to make sure that we're holding them you know, true to what they're actually saying, but also allows us to ask the right questions on that. Right. 
Right, and I think some people are afraid of it, don't you? Reg tech scares off compliance people in some sense because we're so used to our manual processes, our spreadsheets, our checklists. You got it. We feel comfortable. Yeah. One area I think that, you know, uh, you're, you're exactly right. I think there's a tendency to be a little bit nervous about reg tech and what it means for our, our roles, our jobs. And I think in time, there will be some roles that may uh, change or evolve because of reg tech. And I think there are going to be many new ones that are created as well. So one example I'd like to give, Lynn, is, is around uh, sort of data analytics. If you think about how data analytics works, there are, there are reports that we get every day. And these I would consider to be descriptive reports. And by descriptive, I mean things have already happened, and you're getting a look at what the, has, has happened historically. It's the rearview mirror, right? It's the rearview mirror. As you move down the spectrum, you get to a point where you have um, predictive reporting, right? This gets into the if this, then that. So if you see something happening, it encourages an action to happen. Beyond that, you move into prescriptive, which is if this does happen, then this will definitely happen. Um, and so I think we as compliance professionals can you know, learn more about these types of um, you know, these terms, and we can use them in our roles to be more effective in what we do. I agree. That's great. And we shouldn't be afraid of it because it's going to help us. And it's going to come no matter whether we want it to or not. So I, I think we should embrace it. You're totally right about that. What's the third piece of advice? Uh, the third piece of advice is to think about how we evolve our compliance, compliance management systems as banking evolves. Um, we know that the digital age is here. Uh, and it's only going to continue to come at us fast and furiously, and the technology will continue to change. I think it's important for us as compliance professionals to be heavily engaged with the product folks, the marketing folks, and the operations folks as they move banking even further down that digital um, you know, journey. Right. Uh, we already do online account opening. We have bill pay. We have this all on our phones. But as the, um, the banking industry and the finance industry evolves, I think that uh, we're going to have to stay at the forefront of that and understand um, you know, exactly what the, te what the technologies are that are underlying that to support it and uh, recognizing that the laws and regs are going to be somewhat behind the actual uh, pro the evolution itself. And so right. how they do we kind of navigate that in a way that doesn't create risk for the organization? And hopefully as good technology comes to products, you could potentially build in your quality control exactly. in a technological way. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have the checklist and the spreadsheets necessarily. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's an opportunity to take an existing process and really redesign it in a whole new different way, compliant from the very beginning, using technology, and doing it in an efficient and effective way. Well, that's great. So what is your last tip for us? Well, the... Oh, I'm sorry. We're on number four. That's all right. That's my fault. That's all right. No, the other one was around, you know, just technology in general. And when uh, I came into the compliance profession, I will admit that uh, I was not as up to speed on all the systems and technology that even were being used by my company and had to go learn it. And I think it's important for us as compliance professionals to stay, again, at the front edge of what, uh, what technology is being used by our organizations how it's being used by our organizations, how it's being used by our customers and what their expectations are. Um, you know, the example I would give here is, you know, you've got cloud computing, a lot of stuff going on with uh, either applications being moved to the cloud or even core systems being moved to the right. cloud, and there's risk inherent in that. 
But if we don't, as compliance professionals, have an idea of what the cloud is, how it works, the controls that should be in place to, you know, secure information, um, you know, what what does a data security breach look like in the cloud? All of these things that are, are, are problems or, um, you know, issues we haven't had to think about until recently. That's right. So it's the, about embracing the technology as opposed to kind of being a bit skeptical or running the opposite direction. Well, I think as more things move to the cloud data-wise, there is a real opportunity to get better data and have better data access than on the old systems where things were having to be pulled from various uh, subsystems, for example, and that there was a lot of uh, legacy technology based on mergers. One of our speakers today talked about how banks are just a big conglomeration of mergers and systems that have merged. But as things migrate to the cloud, there's, I think, opportunity to clean up the data to get the data in much more usable uh, manner and really make some difference there. I totally agree. And, you know, the cloud creates resiliency and redundancy, which are great things. And oftentimes on older systems, that's difficult to put in place one. And certainly if there's an issue, you, you tend to find yourself taking a long time to figure out how to fix it. Whereas things in the cloud, uh, often there are multiple copies of it and you can, you know, rebound relatively quickly. Right. But your comment about the, the data itself, I think, is very, very important because it is so important to have clean, accurate uh, data and data that you trust, data that was not going to change, you know, tomorrow because somebody hits a button or, right. you know, miskeys something. And, and the cloud allows you to, to put in place an infrastructure which um, will create data that is, in fact, pure and then uh, allows folks from multiple places or multiple organizations to access that information in one place, uh, which makes it more easy to use. Right. In fact, I was talking to a banker who was telling me that they find more problems by looking at anomalies in their data than they do by auditing samples. Mm -hmm. And I think if we think in terms of the fact that this is going to really help us and save us a lot of time, we can embrace it mm -hmm. a little bit better, potentially. Mm -hmm. I would also, you know, throw out there that, that there's a chance that as you go in that direction, uh, and it's a high chance, you'll find things happening at higher error rates than you're comfortable with because you've been using more of a sampling methodology right. as opposed to a full population. And you have to be ready to, to be surprised, but at the same time, once you have started to go in that space, the amount of errors or exceptions or however you define something going wrong will um, decrease rapidly because you'll fix it much quicker up front, get it cleaned up and done, and then it'll operate more effectively going down the road. Right. That's great. So what is our yeah. fifth tip? Well, you know, I think the, the last tip I have would be around how can we think about, be, you know, maintaining uh, a smooth compliance, you know, um, environment uh, with everything that's going on around us. There's a lot of change. Um, you know, the banking industry in itself is changing. Technology is changing. Uh, there is a potential change on the horizon with our, our regulators. Uh, albeit, as we all know, the change in that space doesn't happen quickly. There's been a, a fair amount of talk about, given the per political environment, you know, what may or may not happen. My uh, caution or admonition to my peers would be to just remain engaged uh, stay up on what is happening uh, and, and current on any of the issues being discussed. Uh, be mindful of um, 
signaling to management that you believe things are going to change in a way that may give them the uh, perception that our burden may be decreasing or things are getting easier um, because there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that, um, but not the least of which is when it doesn't change and you have to go back and say, guess what, now I need more resources, not less. Um, so I think that's what I would say is just remain vigilant, um, you know, stay current, watch, um, you know, all the, uh, the, the various uh, channels that you, you use to, to stay abreast of information, um, and then be, re be ready to, to react when something does change, if and when it does. Well, I think it's important that we stay the course on our good systems mm -hmm. and our great CMS programs we've built. Let's mm -hmm. don't let those decay over time. And uh, keeping that attitude, keeping that vigilance, mm -hmm. even if, if the executives in the bank want to, to spend less money, I think it's important that we try to keep it as stable as possible. Uh, I would leave you with um, complacency is a really nasty word. If you ever get complacent, that's a time when you know something bad's going to happen. <laughs> that's true. So, um, you know, don't get complacent with your program. Don't get complacent with, you know, just staying abreast of, of everything. Because once you do, um, there's likely something bad on the horizon. Well, thank you so much for your words of wisdom, Sterling. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And if you have any questions for Sterling, you can send them to me at L Farrell. L-F-A-R-R-E-L-L -L at treadliant.com. That's T-R-E-L-I-A-N-T dot com. So join us next time for our new episode of Compliance Hero. Thank you. <laughs>